Well, Sudan is a very complex tapestry of tribes and ethnical groups uh, and, and um, complex of the contradicting interests of those groups and other groups. So actually what we are looking in Sudan, what we see in Sudan for many, many years is this ongoing havoc, which you have in between uh, periods of some sort of like relatively stability. But this is not something new, and this is something that has basically characterized Sudan for many years. So are we talking about a possible coup, a replacement of the military regime? Well, the picture is by far much more complex than that, because um, what we're looking at is these um, this different military groups that are now fighting each other. Yesterday, they were good friends. Today, they are fighting each other. Probably, maybe the next day, they will go back and have coffee. Uh, Sudan is going through this enormous phase following the downfall of uh, Omar al-Bashir, the former dictator of Sudan that ruled Sudan for decades. And ever since there has been an ongoing attempt between different centers of power, the military, the civil society groups, uh, political parties, uh, local uh, lords in different parts of Sudan, trying to consolidate some sort of like a new political structure that actually could uh, represent more or less proportionally the needs, interests, and and portion of each each uh, each party or each group in, in the in the in the, the new structure of inner politic uh, political shape um, structure in Sudan. The issue is that um, uh, there seemed to be at some point that there was some kind of like a very significant progress. There was a government established. The army seemingly was kind of like coming under the control of the government, the civil government. But then the army uh, actually conducted some sort of like a coup, sort of speaking. Um, and, and actually took over. Now, the other components of the other militias that is today kind of like involved in this some sort of like inner power struggle with the army is coming originally from a, a very notoriously known militia that used to be known by the name of the Janjaveed. This is the, a, a militia that was operating back uh, um, during the time of the massacres in Darfur, you may remember, and also in Dauphin in the south part of Sudan mostly based upon Arab ethnic, ethnical uh, groups in Sudan. The leader of this today, it's not a militia, it's actually military power estimated of some 100,000 uh, strong. The leader of this uh, power, military power, his name is uh, Dakio, but he's rather known for his, uh, uh, rather known for his uh, title, is Hamdeti. He's kind of like was yesterday um, partner with Burhan, the commander of the, of the army of Sudan. Today, there seems to be like there is a power struggle between the two, mostly in the context of like the um, engaging or um, incorporating this power, the the, the close power, into the the, the the ranks of the of the Sudanese army. This is a long story that has been going on. This power, this this semi-military power, military power, has been at some point within included within the the Sudanese. Uh, border control powers, and then at some point it was moved to the direct control of the president of Sudan, basically acting as some sort of like a, an extra, uh, I would say, semi-state uh, military power operating parallel to the army. The situation where you have a semi-military, semi-state military power that is operating in parallel to the formal uh, military powers of the government or the state, in any case, and we have a lot of examples of that, this is a recipe for a disaster. This is a re- recipe for uh, instability. And this is exactly, basically, roughly speaking, what we are seeing today. We see a power struggle between this semi-state military power, between the formal, let's put it this way, authorities, 
but it's not only a power struggle over positions or money or political interest. It basically goes over beyond that because, as I said before, Sudan is a very complex tapestry of tribes, ethnical groups, local lords, and so on. What about the Israeli angle here? We know that Israel has taken steps to renew full diplomatic relations with the current military leadership, although the idea was, I think, that um, those relations would only be fully formalized once the move to civilian rule had taken place. Where does this leave Israel? Is it good for Israel if the current regime stays in place? Well, currently it's not clear because, look, let's, let's be clear about it. The Israeli-Sudan uh, normalization agreement was not really necessarily out of, like, really, uh, you know, getting close one to the other. It was mostly reflecting, on the one hand, the need of Sudan to get the U.S. support. Uh, Sudan was going and still is going through this transitional, very fragile uh, phase. Uh, the U.S. Uh, financial support and recognition was a very significant carrot that actually was powerful enough to lure uh, the Sudanese back then to, to sign the agreement with Israel. Obviously, Israel, from its perspective, uh, welcomed the normalization because we have to remember that up not so long ago, Sudan was uh, one of the major bases that was uh, used as a, as a launching pad by Hamas and other militant Islamist groups to launch attacks from, uh, against Israel. And there has been, as you may recall, maybe uh, you may remember that in the past there has been reports that Israel was even attacking some of those bases or storages or warehouses that were located in Sudan. Today, we don't know to say exactly for the time being what the ramifications are in the context of the trajectory of the Israeli-Sudanese normalization. We'll have to wait and see what will be the outcome of this power struggle that is right now taking place in Sudan. So I think that we'll have to wait and see what will be the ramifications. I guess, of course, Israel is following that very closely. The, one of the, Sudan is enormously significant for many different reasons. One of the major reasons in talking about the Israeli context is being the state offshore the Red Seas, Sudan has an enormous significant importance. Um, and um, reminding you that back then, a couple of years ago, when Erdogan and Turkey was trying to expand its control or influence in the Red Sea, it was actually during the time of Omar Bashir, he was able to list, quote-unquote, a Sudanese um, harbor called Sawakin, an island called Sawakin, and actually had... For a short period of time, he had a kind of some 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 sort of like uh, foothold, sort of speaking, in the red in the in the Red Sea, which was back then something that was very negatively viewed by different uh, players in the region, like Israel, like Egypt, like the Saudis and others. So Sudan is very significant in that sense as well. We'll have to watch very closely what very closely what's going on with Sudan. There is another significant, uh, enormously significant importance of Sudan, and this is of course in the context of the. Uh, denial and the whole issue of the evolving crisis uh, between Egypt, Sudan, and Ethiopia regarding the Renaissance Dam that the uh, Ethiopians have been building for the last couple of couple of years. Um, so this is yet another significant uh, aspect of Sudan. We'll have to look very closely at the developments that will go on in Sudan. It's very likely that we'll see uh, local regional powers like the Saudis, like the Emirates, like Egypt trying to uh, restore as, as soon as possible calm uh, in the Sudanese arena. We'll have to see how things will evolve in the next couple of days. I think that they may be able to have enough of handles of power and, and pressure. I mean, the Egyptians, the, the, the Saudis and the Emirates, maybe to um, call the sides to uh, some sort of a truce 
uh, at least for the foreseeable future. But again, we'll have to wait and see how things will evolve in the next coming days.